0: Welcome back to Sheep Stuff You Should Know. I'm Dan Macon up here in Auburn, California, recently returned from Truckee, California, and uh, joined by Ryan Mahoney down there in Rio Vista in Solano County today. And
1: how's things in Rio Vista, Ryan? Oh, it's awful good. Clear skies today. I was up there in the mountains.
0: Actually, we had clear skies today, too. I think all that well, that Tahoe smoke is blowing over to Nevada today. It's a good thing you're not over in Austin today.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Nasty over there. I feel bad for the mid-state guys. They've just been inundated with all this smoke for the whole summer. It's been bad. Last, I think it was last year we had all north wind, and it was all state in California. Now yeah. this year it's all going out. <laughs> it's the, it's well, bad.
0: Scary thing is we've got north wind season coming up. You know, it's just yeah, it's like we're way ahead of fire season this year, and I don't know. I don't know.
1: That's, that's drought, man. That's just, that's drought. Uh, yeah.
0: It is. What's going on in Rio Vista? What have you been doing since you got back from the wool growers convention?
1: Oh, man. I, it's been, uh, well, we're running around. We're calving. And so we're, we're really getting into that. And of course, uh, the definition of an abortion is a premature, uh, you know, a, a calf born prematurely which means it's born before the due date, which means they'll happen right before you start caving or right the first couple of weeks of caving. So we've been chasing around, trying to track down all that stuff. I think we sent four to the labs to try to figure out what's going on and on different things. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And then that combined with, um, we're doing our final preg scan in here tomorrow for our, our second round and yeah. that's coming up and Kind of now it's time to go through all the lambing barns and make sure everything's prepared. I bought all my bedding yesterday for our uh for our lamb and jugs and oh cool. Got the hay, got the hay pretty much bought. You know, about 90% of the hay we need will be bought. Last stuff we wait till the final cutting, just because the the longer you wait, the better quality of the hay. But if you don't buy it early, then you don't have it. So you need something. Yeah, you need <laughs> some in the barn.
0: What, yeah, uh, just kind of running around you got about six, seven weeks before you start lambing.
1: Yeah. We start October one is the date. So we'll, okay. we'll we're going to tag the use next Monday. Okay. And every time we tag, we'll get a couple get thrown, you yeah. know, they'll, they'll have a lamb just because of the stress. So we'll probably have a couple around the 15th of September. Um, and then we'll end up waiting. And then the first, of, first of October, they'll start trickling in. And then usually, I always like to say the 11th, but sometime between the 10th and the 15th, all of a sudden you just go out one day and you know, you, between the 10th and the 15th, you start to think that, are they really pregnant or are they just, lamb. just yeah. really fat? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you go out the next day and they're all lamming. And so yeah. it, it's just kind of, that it really depends, but yeah, it should be somewhere between the 10th and the 15th is when we really get rolling.
0: Good, 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 good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I helped, uh, help ship, I'm helping ship three bands out of the mountains this week and got the first band done this morning up there at Hobart Hills. You
1: got a, you got a whale of a good photo this morning.
0: Beautiful, beautiful morning up there. Oh
1: man. I always get to
0: work in the back where I don't have to have to be up by the truck. So I can the best place to take the pictures.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you know, that's, you know, going around and shipping lambs in different corrals that's always kind of what I figured out is that uh, if you're a visitor, you don't want to be in the front of the sheep. Nope. You always want to be in the back of the sheep because those guys that stand in the front, especially if you're new or you, you know, everybody kind of handles things a little different ways. All those corrals have a little different way of working. And yep. if you think you know what's supposed to happen, even if you do know what's supposed to happen, you got to remind yourself they're not your sheep. Yep, They're their sheep and you're here to help not direct so yeah. <laughs> get in that helping spot don't, don't, don't try to mess it up
0: well and there's a there's a hierarchy in there in terms yeah of, yeah of that those jobs too well a
1: lot of, a lot of times too when i like shipping lambs you know so when they cross the scale then they become your lambs technically yeah and you gotta help get them on the trucks and we load a lot of trucks um, and those a lot of those ranches out there they don't load many Yep. Um, and so oftentimes you'll start up front loading the trucks, but they're still sorting lambs off or something. And then as the day kind of goes, you basically work your way back as people come up to take those jobs. Yeah. And usually by that, it's always funny, those big, big, big shippings. You almost always have at the very last lamb going up, you got 35 people standing <laughs> at the chute, all, all trying to get this one lamb to run right next to them. And they're all finally trying to take a picture. And oh man, it's hilarious to watch half of them are drinking beers and <laughs> just like, <laughs> yep. Yep. it's when you just stand in the very back and say, God, oh, these are nice lambs. <laughs> 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 don't uh, don't yeah. help. So, yeah. It's kind of funny how it progresses, but yeah.
0: Well, and it was fun this morning, you know, this, this set of corrals has been there. There's a scale house and the earliest seal sticker I could read on the scale house on the scale itself was 1928. Oh, wow. There's been a lot of lambs, a lot of ewes go through that set of corrals.
1: Man, you know, that would be an, I, I wish, I wish I had a lot of time on my hands, but what, it would be really cool to get like wool growers or somebody to go around and, and I don't know, make like a map or like a, like a sheep tour of the forests. Yeah. And like, and like kind of mark all the different shipping corrals and a little blurb about the histories on, you know, these were by this guy and they've been used by the, you know, this family for so many years or this one over here, as we call it, you know, kind of like map out that history of the, the mountain sheep operation. Cause it's just, it's fascinating. It really
0: is. What's been up there. Somewhere somebody sent me a picture a couple of years ago of of somebody crossing sheep over the old Highway 40 at Donner Summit. <laughs> what was what was what is now Interstate 80? Yeah. Uh, I told Chooch, who I helped load today, I said we ought to just take them across Interstate 80 one of these days, just just to say we did it, you know. Yeah. That'd be cool.
1: Well, I was up in Pendleton, Oregon, and they were uh, Cunningham sheep were moving lambs across the freeway up there they it went over an overpass but you know you got guys on both of the on-ramps to make sure they don't go down the on-ramps and it's yeah. just like 2,000 sheep 2,500 sheep just <laughs> going across and you know 800 guard dogs and <laughs> it's just it's a really lot of fun it's really cool to watch
0: Oh man. I, one, one, one once
1: again, just stay out of the way. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Go to the back, go to the back, take some pictures and hide in the back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Several years ago we had, we had uh, a mob of goats in Lincoln. And uh, this was before they opened the bypass, but the bypass was done. So this beautiful highway with no traffic on it. And of course the city of Lincoln said, no, you can't go on the bypass. And that's one, it, it would have cut, I don't know, three miles off of our, off of our walk to go up the bypass. <laughs> so of course I told the herders, we can't go on the bypass. And the herders said, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they beat me to the other point because they went up the bypass and cut the three miles
1: off. Yeah. absolutely absolutely sometimes it's better to ask
0: ask (laughs) forgiveness forgiveness gosh you
1: i don't know it's funny kind of related to that but um one of our local roads it's a country road and we graze on all the alfalfas in the fall well there's this one house and the guy moved into the house Got his nice little country estate and um you know nice nice guy everything's fine but then we trailed the sheep you know from one field to another quarter mile or something we went down the road he, he stopped and he just started cursing out my, my herder and just was absolutely furious because when he drove down his, his nice paved road, the sheep poop, you know, flicked up and got the, you know, got the inside of his fenders of his lifted, uh, lifted Ford F-150 dirty, that he was going to take to the mall. I don't know. It's hilarious how like, as that, as that urban rural interface kind of grows together, kind of the some yeah. of the issues that you never would have thought like would even be an issue <laughs> just they, they slowly become one i don't know it's amazing because it you know it that is. manure i mean i grew up on a country road and between us and the hamiltons we'd gosh we'd have uh, we'd have sheep on that road every week and uh, there was always trails and you'd always see when it was fresh or when it was old and you yeah. just
0: yeah it was part of life <laughs> that yeah exactly exactly yeah. We we occasionally move sheep across or up a county road here
1: and um it's harder I, there with all the bends in the roads though.
0: It is. We gotta have people at both, you know, at both ends. Yeah. And um ninety-nine yeah. percent of the people were, are content to wait and they'll get out of their car and take pictures or <laughs> something like that but it only takes one jerk to kind of ruin your whole day
1: i remember that my favorite one was uh well there's so many stories there and there's some <laughs> bad ones but this one's kind of funny they uh we were moving young pairs so we were lambing at Goosehaven and We were moving these young singles um just you know not very far at all but we had to go across the road to to get there
0: and so we're moving
1: the sheep we got everything on both sides and all of a sudden and the bunch is fairly spread out you know we don't have them tight because they're pairs we want to keep them together and move really slow all of a sudden over the over the hills comes like three cars going like 60 miles an hour And we're just like, oh my gosh. And we just, we take the sheep and we're just like pushing everything off the road. And we're just like as quick as we can getting it, get them off the road. So that way these guys would fly through. They ended up slowing down to like 35, 40, still went through the sheep. And we were just like, what are you doing? They're terrible. I can't believe you'd be so stupid. And they were looking out the windows with their pictures and cameras and phones and had the biggest smiles on their face. And we're just like, <laughs> click, 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 click. Let me take the pictures. This is the greatest day ever. <laughs> we're just like, you almost killed everybody. <laughs> 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 uh. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So, and nothing got hurt. So it all worked so it out. It all worked
0: but, out. Okay. Yeah.
1: But don't, don't drive through sheep but- you know, 40 miles now. That's a terrible sure, idea.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there are stories around Auburn about the crazy sheep guy that yelled at me on my way home today.
1: You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. And it's well-deserved too. I mean, you know, you got to understand it's similar to like Caltrans or any of those jobs where absolutely. people are working close to traffic. You don't realize how strong and fast a car is.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely how, right.
1: You know, one little tiny rock flicks up off a tire it can kill you. So it's often not yeah
0: do you guys still we in placer county there's still a a local ordinance on the books that says um livestock have the right of way on county roads
1: yeah we still have that it's a right to farm deal and you can put a tractor and you can put a put livestock and you can do it on highways too i believe around us too
0: yeah so they
1: don't listen you know cars don't respect it no especially on the highways the highways we really we avoid the highways pretty much like the plague Yeah um last time we crossed highway 12 we had a semi truck almost drive through the sheep we had flaggers on both sides and we're trying to stop him. and he actually pulled out into the other lane to try to pass us and then he like came over the little knoll and slammed on his brakes as the sheep were in the middle of the road i mean it was scary Oh um so yeah we haven't and that was maybe seven years ago we haven't crossed 12
0: yeah i don't blame you
1: Yeah, they put in a roundabout though by Richard Hamilton's place, and that's actually really nice for him because everything has to slow down already for the roundabout. So he just walks a sheep across the roundabout, and (laughs) everything's fine. (laughs) It's a lot easier for him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you can get one put in out in front of your place too.
1: I know something. Then I'd have to drive through it. They're annoying. That's fun. But well, we got a good solid 20 minutes of banter there. I, I think we pretty better jump into the topic if we're we, gonna cover anything today.
0: We we probably ought to, huh? We probably ought to jump into what we were gonna talk about.
1: Yeah, although this is fun, I can keep going.
0: <laughs> well, I think we need to do another um another one with all of us in one spot live recording. Maybe that that's really,
1: a, maybe that's that how really we go fun. visit
0: all those old corrals. Maybe we just do a road trip.
1: Yeah, there you go. That'll be, That'd be fun. fun yeah that'd be a lot of fun
0: yeah so i you may you may just this topic may end in in a one-word answer with you but uh, we'll see how it goes we talk a lot about drought plans and and drought contingencies and all the things we're doing to respond to drought but it seems to me it might be equally as important to talk about how we come out of drought to to have a plan for when we're going to pull the trigger and what types of things we're going to do when when things get better and, and kind of what the priorities are. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about um, you know, at some point it will rain again and we will grow grass again and we'll have plenty of feed again. Um what are kind of your priorities when we get back to that point? And I guess maybe the first question, Ryan, is how do you know the drought's over? What what will you look for to ter- determine the drought's over for you?
1: so i i don't I've never looked at drought or flood as finite. I just i you know like i I don't really say, oh, the drought's over June third, two thousand and twenty two to me, it's more of a you're always when you're operating, you're always dealing with this this change. I mean, it gets back to that like the rainfall in the city of Vacville, you got a 3% chance of hitting average. So you have right. a 97% chance of being drought or wet. So, um, rather than worry about, or look at here's the date we're over or here's the date we're in it, it's more just, I mean, we were, we were living drought before drought was declared and right. we'll be not living drought before it's lifted just because we're going to be the first ones to react. Uh, because we're closest to the ground. Right. So, right. and I think right. that's true for any, any sheep ranch. So <clears throat> I think that's uh yeah, that to answer that first question, but I really, I think you that's a really good topic to talk about. How do you anticipate we've been struggling with that and I've been really trying to be as smart as we can about that. So
0: you've talked before about having more flexibility with the sheep um during dry periods does and you just mentioned that that you're closest to the ground with the sheep what does that mean are you are you gonna will you respond with your sheep operation when things kind of get back to normal first and be more conservative with the cattle or, or how does that work
1: um so i the first thing we've i've i've been thinking through this whole drought is this is a really good opportunity to reset our stocking ratios mm-hmm. um into something that we want to be um we were strategic. i would say we were very strategic in our in our uh, drought plan or the our destocking the way we destocked our livestock um was fairly intentional with the anticipation of moving things back this winter um we had the worst drought we've ever had last year we still got rain and we still grew feed we ran out of feed early and i sold livestock late so, um, with our D lower stocking numbers, when that grass comes, even if we have that same year we had last year, we should be able to move the majority of the livestock back and sustain it longer on our native pastures. So, um, that's one of the things that we're thinking about now, exactly how to do that. It's, is a really that's a big challenge. And, and I don't know when the right time is either. If it rains in, if it rains in October and we get decent germination and then it doesn't rain until March, I I may move everything and then be stuck. Um, if it does rain and you end up too much, you could get some good growth. If it doesn't rain until cold season, there's so many variables. It's really hard to have a, you just have to be aware, I think, and, and, and have a plan kind of for all, scenarios how far
0: how far over the horizon do you like to look uh, when
1: you're in drought i think you need to look really close um Mm -hmm. the the other thing it makes a lot of people don't have the flexibility we have with our irrigated pasture which allows us to be more um a little more aggressive in acquiring breeding stock since we've sold off um you know I talk about kind of targeted destocking so we retained a hundred percent of our heifers this year and mm-hmm. bred them we retained a hundred we were planning on selling a load of bread heifers this fall we didn't do that we retained them because we want that youth and they were already on our irrigated pastures um, We took our cows and moved as many as we could to the irrigated pasture and then we sold a bunch. and so our our physical ranch destocking i mean we depopulated our hills hundred percent south of highway 12 and about 40 percent down north highway 12 so we've had a huge depopulation in animal units and in, in the ranches that are most affected by drought and so moving the that livestock back um it, as we as we made all of those moves once we sold our sold the cows bred cows we were going to br- sell and then we sold our ewes we were going to sell um we immediately started looking at how are we going to replace these animals? And are there any opportunities? So we ended up buying some bread heifers, a load of bread heifers, and, uh, we're currently looking at some bread use potentially. And if something like that comes up, we're interested and in going to look at it and see how we can bring it in. Because one of the biggest things we wanted to do or needed to do during drought is we didn't have any summer or fall feed. So if we can move that animal off in June and bring it back in october we we successfully didn't have to feed it for x amount as long as the money turns at a reasonable ratio yeah so yeah i don't know if that answers the question no it does lot. it's
0: it does it absolutely does and i think the other question it raises for me um and i i have struggled with this in terms of recovering from from drought do i just do I go out and buy animals and replace the ones I sold? Or do I have to make my own? Do I, do I, is there a performance dip if I go out and buy animals that aren't used to my system and my forage? So how do you kind of deal with those questions and in, in selling and then buying back in?
1: So I, I don't worry too much about adjusting to feed, um, mostly because we have really good feed uh, as far as just quality and variety of forage. We're in a real grassland type situation with a good, healthy variety of different uh, rangeland grasses and and clovers and legumes. So typically, when livestock come into our system, they're coming from a you know a high desert or they're coming from a rougher feed into yeah. a finer feed. So it's easier. You can take a <laughs> You can't take a coast animal and put it in the mountain, but you can take a mountain animal sometimes and put it on the coast. You know, it's kind of that, yeah, that yeah. kind of scenario. So we're, we're pretty fortunate there. And so it's not a major concern. Um, the rougher feed you have or the more specific type of thing, if you're custom grazing, you got to be right. super astute to what kind of animals you're bringing in and what their background is.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, and that doesn't mean you can't do it. You just have to make sure you know what you're having and adjust them to your feed yeah supplement them right yeah whatever you got to do yeah Um, and
0: recognize that adjustment period yeah
1: yeah and what was the other question on that
0: you think i remember
1: yeah of course you do i'm the (laughs) one that forgets everything
0: no Um, i i think you answered it i think i think you know how you how you deal with buying animals back in and
1: yeah. The, the other thing too, is, is you really got to sit down and do your books, uh, and let the books dictate what you need to do. Um, everybody's situation is going to be a little different. The risk tolerance is going to be a little different. The sheep market is at a record high, which yeah. means you need to be extra risk sensitive. Um, you don't want to borrow a lot of money to buy a bunch of high priced livestock right now. Um, but if you have cash, you can go out and buy them, um, right. To replace that production and then figure it back versus, you know, if you overpay for a, you know, you sell a cow for sixteen hundred and you buy a bred cow back for eighteen hundred and um then you sell the calf that year, is that worth more money than retaining that truckload of animals or that that animal out of your own herd and getting that calf in two years after putting two years of expenses into it? Um, you know, what's the better cost-benefit scenario? And when you're in drought, you have to be aware of your feed resource more than ever. So that younger animal that's going to take two years to produce is going to eat less than that larger pair, but you're not going to get paid as quick. So you got to, right. you just really have to do that risk analysis and it's going to be a different answer for every ranch. Just do it, you know, take it's take the time your, yeah. to sit down and do it. And then if you got a friend, you can bounce it off of, I think it's always really valuable to, Take your math and say, hey, this is what I figure. What do you see? Or what are my, where am I underestimating? Where am I overestimating? You know, where do I got it wrong?
0: Do you guys do that internally? Yeah. <laughs> you... Absolutely.
1: Yeah. 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 That's, 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 that's all we do. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: I know better than that, but I know it's a big part of,
1: of... yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You have to be really aware of how it's going to impact, it. especially small business. Cash flow is so important, especially yeah. with. When you go into drought, it changes your business plan or your business model so drastically, and and do it does it by affecting your cash flow. So you got to really pay attention to your taxes and your cash flow and how that's gonna, you know.
0: So, are there some things that you look at in terms of cash flow or tax consequences coming out of drought that may be a little different than than thinking about going into drought? Or is it pretty much the same analysis process throughout?
1: Well, you always have to make money if you're going to stay in business. So you always want to make sure you're, you're basing your decisions on that the best you can. Um, every trade, every deal, every idea is not going to make money, but you need to make sure you have a long-term sustainable income to be able to continue to do this period. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as like, when you go into drought, you need to do what you can do to get by. And so you're going to make some decisions that end up hurting you short-term. Um, but typically when you go into drought, you sell your calf crop and you might sell it at a lighter weight or your lamb crop, you sell it at a lighter weight, but then you end up also selling that breeding animal. And so if you sell that breeding animal on top of that lighter weight, you end up realizing more income right. that year, which, uh, and there are, tax breaks to be able to defer your your income on that animal if you replace it back um, but that's the that's the uh, that's the biggest that's a, that's increased cash but it's not a sustainable increase because you're selling your 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 production animals so you're selling your you're selling the factory along yeah. with the widget and it takes a lot to buy that factory back. And so, if you're you don't make money buying buying and selling factories, you make money buying and selling the widgets the factory produces. It's the same with a livestock operation. You don't make a lot of money trading use. You make money buying and or you raising the lambs and selling them. That's the U model. Now there are people who trade coal use and trade use and do that, and and that's a that's a separate business model and it's successful in its own right if it's done correctly. But if, you know, most people that are listening, I think have use and are in the production side of ranching. And like I said, you just don't make you, you know, you don't make, you don't make the same money trading use as you do really, you know, trying to raise lambs. And so it's really hard to do that. It's especially true with cattle with, with lambs, The U market to land values is a little goofy right now. So you might be able to make an argument, but
0: yeah, I think I think that applies across scales of operation too. That that same principle applies at our smaller scale very much. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's an important point to make.
1: Yeah, I would say the smaller you are, the more aware of it you need to be almost. I mean you you the margins are so thin in agriculture in general that you need to pay attention at all levels. But um but definitely, you know, if you're looking at it from a small, small, small standpoint, you really need to be aware of cash because you often don't have the ability to borrow.
0: Yeah. On those exactly. cash
1: short, those cash short time frames. So you'll have to take it from yourself for your paycheck and that 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 can be hard.
0: Yeah. And it should be honestly should be treated as if you were loaning your business money i mean exactly you that back
1: mm-hmm.
0: so i think that's a that's a really key point what um is there are there things that you start thinking about as we get whatever normal weather is but as we get more wet weather are there any any um things that you start looking for with new livestock in terms of health issues or any of those things that that maybe isn't a a problem in your base herd or your base flock, but that maybe you may be exposing new animals to in your system.
1: Um, oh, well, I mean, you have foot issues in our country, um, and anything that bought in is going to be challenged. Um, we will, we'll use foot vax and vaccinate best we can for everything. So that, that's, that helps. But, um, but as far as uh, other pressures, I mean, it kind of gets back to that, that, I don't know, my, my, it's one of my ideas, but, uh, good nutrition solves so many health issues that as long as you keep that nutrition playing solid, you tend to be okay. Yeah. Um, regardless of what specific animal you're bringing in, um, you need to be careful when you're lambing to not mix purchased in sheep with the ones you're raising. You need those placentas to stay separate. You need those lambing grounds to stay separate until time has passed and they've been able to expose each other to the To the bugs they both have so they can build some natural immunity while they're not pregnant Yeah, (laughs) because you'll end up with some abortion storms and things um but once you get the lamb on the ground um you can pretty much mix them at least in our in our experience it it almost doesn't matter at that point unless you want them separate for some other reason yeah management reason where you want to cull them the new ones a different way than the other ones and you don't want to go through an auto draft
0: yeah. Right.
1: Or don't have the capability to autodraft.
0: What, um, what about on the cattle? Are they a little, little hardier less susceptible to some of those things? Or do you manage cows the same uh, way?
1: I, I, I wouldn't say they're hardier. I'd say there's more vaccines that work better. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, yeah, it, it, you don't right. have to do the natural immunity stuff that you, you have to do in, in sheep. You really have to work within the bounds of nature. Yeah. Whereas in the cattle, you're able to use a lot more vaccines to, to, I mean, yeah, the list of vaccines available for cattle versus the the three available for sheep or, yeah. It's a big discrepancy there. Big, big difference. Yeah. And you can't use the, you know, they're different bugs. You can't use the cattle vaccine and the sheep. So, it, right. you know, if you got that idea, don't do it. It's,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you could just, exactly.
1: if you want, you can just send me a hundred dollars in the mail and because <laughs> not, <laughs> not that's pretty much all you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: what, um, does any good come out of drought in terms of, uh, of your, operation or your system or your your genetics um
1: i mean you you the last drought we went through i mean i feel like we came out a lot better operation we came out with a lot uh, i mean we improved our genetics tremendously The, the genetic core of our herd just took took you know huge leaps forward and um and, and that was great. Um, that was one of the challenges this year is we didn't have quite the variety of genetics to sort through. So it wasn't as easy. We ended up just gate cutting the sales. We didn't, we didn't sort like the previous drought, we ended up just kind of sorting and coaling down through everything. Whereas this year we just had to gate cut right off the top. Cause there really wasn't a,
0: because everything yeah. was at that quality you wanted anyway.
1: Right? Kind of. Yeah. And so it wasn't, you know, it was just hard to, it was harder to sort, um, you know, I, I think, I think the other, I, I'd be curious your thoughts on this, but I, I think the pastures actually benefit from getting hammered once every, every once in a while, as long as you can give them the rest afterwards. So like, if we hammered these fields, like we have this whole year and then we stay off it and let it grow for a month or two, I, I think that pasture is going to actually, I don't know, I think it could benefit a little, what, what are your, what are your thoughts there?
0: I I do. I think there is a difference between a severe graze and overgrazing. And that may seem like a nuance to somebody that's not out there managing livestock on a day-to-day basis, but I think there's some some real benefit in kind of uh, you know impacting that that nutrient and energy cycle to to the extreme, provided you also give the extreme in, in terms of rest following that. Um, I think you can clean up a lot of problems in a, in a year like this. If you're, you know, if you're doing an extreme graze. I don't,
1: I don't have the stickers I used to have. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there's no yellow star out in the Montezuma Hills this year. It's all eaten.
0: <laughs> so. I, it, well, and, and on top of that, I don't know about down there, but shoot, we usually get one of those late April, March, May rains that is a star thistle machine. Mm-hmm. And I saw star thistle shrivel up before it flowered this year. So, yeah, maybe maybe there are a few silver linings in all of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the like start thistle in our area is going to be an ongoing management problem. There's nothing oh, you can do, but it. I think absolutely. it does help with. I think it. I don't know. That's kind of why I'm thinking it. It does help a little bit with those, those, uh, those uh, noxious weeds and some of those kind of things. And it just getting yeah. that getting that seed bed or getting the ground kind of reset. Uh, it seems to always kind of help a little bit.
0: Oh, I agree. agree. As long as
1: you can get it the rest. So, and that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to stay disciplined and hold the rest because if it starts raining and it, then you got to get off the irrigated pasture because the irrigated pasture gets wet and you'll ruin those fields. And so that forces you onto fields quicker than you maybe want to be. So I don't know. It'll be a fun, it'll be a fun balance. I'll be crying, pulling my hair out.
0: I would love to have that problem, to have early rain. And
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't like that problem either. I remember I had one, one of our ranches is under six feet of water like five years ago, and smoked our whole field. It was terrible. It took well, me three years to get the clover back.
0: You're lambing right now. You don't want, you don't want a real wet October either, do you?
1: No, but I'd love an inch. Yeah. Yeah, oh too. man! If I could get some green grass, I love I love when the grass is green end of October. It it just lambing goes so smooth when you have that.
0: And they're going. All those pears are growing right out in the hills. And, and yeah, it gray, takes
1: man. your takes your hay consumption and takes it from four to five pounds a day down to two. And yeah, I mean it just yeah, it's a it's wonderful and and it, it's better nutrition.
0: Right. Right, and better for better health wise and everything else. Yeah
1: yeah absolutely Absolutely.
0: so this is um i know we've talked a little bit about this kind of around the edges of this but i've i have really felt this probably in the last month just with the fires and the smoke and still dry and you know we were shipping was helping ship sheep out of the mountains three weeks early and we're looking at fall and wondering what what it's going to be like so i think I mean, I don't know if I mentioned this to you when I came down for that workshop in Rio Vista in June, I got to thinking that we talk, we don't talk about resilience nearly enough in terms of ranch businesses. We talk about responding to disaster, but how do you main, maintain kind of mental resilience with all this stuff going on? How Do you do, you do anything to maintain a positive attitude intentionally or otherwise?
1: Um, I mean, that's hard. It's, it's hard. I think it's really difficult. And, um, I'd be lying if I said it was easy and you didn't feel those frustrations and the stress. Um, I mean, it's almost, (laughs) it's going to sound bad, but it's almost to the point of being so ridiculous. It's hilarious. (laughs) I mean, it's just like every day is another million acre fire that just jumps up overnight. And it's just, you know, the whole, you know, Growing up as a kid, if you would have told me the in you know three quarters of the United States is going to be covered in smoke from California, I'd be like, "You're (laughs) you're 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 silly." (laughs) And then here we are. You know, it's almost I don't know. It's like I heard it one time. Like when you get over a trillion dollars, your brain just stops understanding the number, (laughs) and it's all just big. So one trillion and three trillion and five trillion really doesn't make a difference. It's all just way too much kind of thing. Yeah, and so I think. I think (laughs) it's this drought combined with COVID combined with the wildfires combined with politics combined with everything else in the entire, like it's just to the point of ridiculous. And, um, so, you know, that, 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 uh, but that, you know, you can't use that to discount the fact that it is stressful and is, uh, you do worry about all those things. Um, you know, it really comes down to surround yourself with a good, team of people, good group of people that you can talk to, that you can be honest with. Um, and and, be honest uh, with you and be honest honest with you too. I mean, I, yeah, the, I heard one time that, um, tolerating somebody's bad behavior is the lack of caring, you know, and you really gotta, you know, you gotta have somebody that listens and cares and yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but you know, as things get crazier in the bigger picture, I always feel you have to look smaller, look localer. Mm-hmm. Look at your family, look at the people around you, build that team. And um because when I look at the do you look at the sheep industry on a small scale and look at what everybody sold their lambs for this year. Right. Look at the look at the books, look how good it's been um for the sheep guy in, in the United States this year. I mean it's been the best ever. And um so there's a lot of things to be happy about, there's a lot of things to be excited about. It doesn't mean don't be um unaware yeah. of the risks you have. Yeah. But um because once you get into these good markets like this, especially on a drought year, and it gets back to cash flow management. A lot of cash flow management is based on not running out. But uh, one of the most important parts of it is keeping what you've earned. Yeah. And so we've had a really good year plan and figure out how to keep that you know hold that money keep that money together don't drop it into a bunch of use that'll disappear in value you know make make it you know use that money to buy a piece of equipment that makes it so you don't have to hire as many people and it compounds the money you earn this year every you know every year for the next 10 you know you kind of yeah. start thinking like that on how can i how can i keep what i earned um, yeah. after such a good year while you're doing all these things you know cash flow management isn't just I don't want to run out of money it's how am i how do i keep keep the money i make and keep making more kind of thing
0: and change those cash assets into something that's going to either increase your efficiency or
1: yeah or whatever, keep it in whatever. cash or right. diversify if you're going to do any kind of seed business you want to start marketing your wool you need cash to do it so i mean you you know don't don't uh don't have a good year dump it all into the same thing and then lose it all <laughs> you don't know, make sure you're, maintaining it and growing it
0: what are, are are there any things in particular that you're looking at um in the coming couple of years based on this year in terms of investment or or new strategies or diversification
1: um i think diversification uh we're pretty i mean i've, I've owned I, I bought the company two years ago from my <laughs> grandfather so we're not really going to shake it all up too much. We've been very conservative the last couple of years. Um, we're going to kind of just continue to increase our, our, um, kind of our irrigated pasture business, which is the riskiest part of our business. Um, but as, as we, as we do well, then we can kind of increase our, our tolerance for that risk. Um, so, I mean, short-term it's going to be that, I mean, that, and that's feeder cattle and feeder lambs. It's not yeah. just one. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean. You know as far as long long term um i don't know i mean we love use uh, the the i think that we're able to manage use pretty efficiently at a pretty reasonable price and so our cost basis on a you that we have is is pretty reasonable and so um you know as as opportunities in the use opens up we're gonna you know we'll definitely want to participate on the cows I mean, our, our land base is pretty fixed as it is right now. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to really increase that unless some opportunity pops up. Yeah. Um, and then as far as diversification outside of sheep or, or, uh, cattle, I don't know. I think we're probably just going to kind of work on what we do and do it well for now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's long-term there's always opportunities, but I think, I think that's far enough out that we're going to just work on what we do. So, and there's enough stuff to improve. So
0: absolutely you just said not to take us down another rabbit hole but i'm curious do you look at what it do you estimate what it costs you to run a u for a year is that a number that means anything in your business?
1: yeah 120
0: 120 yep okay i think we're we're right at $100 a hundred dollars a U. yeah but that doesn't include a lot of labor so we'd probably be at that yeah,
1: to. I I don't know what the industry averages. It's a hard number to put on. Yeah. Um, because it's I think it varies a lot, but I, I think the industry cost to run a U per year is anywhere from 70 to 150. Yeah. Somewhere in there.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I was just looking at that figuring trying to figure out how many U lambs a guard dog would have to save a year to earn its keep. Mm-hmm. And was kind of looking at that at that long-term income producing potential and what it would cost to keep a ULAM. It was an interesting.
1: So I heard, I heard, uh, actually John said it to me the other day, and I really liked it. Uh, The said like a good auditor, what they do is they find the answer or find a number, and then they come up with three or four different ways to come up with that same number to prove it right. So they look at, here's the, here's a number, here's your U and it costs you the, or, you know, here's your operation costs for your U yeah, And then you say, all right, now that operation cost is X. Now I'm going to go ahead and figure it this way. And then I'm going to figure it this way. And then I'm going to figure it this way. And then I'm going to figure it this way. And I should all come up with about the same number. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's a really good economic analysis or a really good challenge to anybody that's trying to prove themselves right or wrong is to take that number that they're using. So you're a hundred dollars yep. and then try to come at it five different ways and prove it right. Yeah. And I think that goes for any kind of number you're trying to prove.
0: Well, and that would allow you to do some sensitivity analysis too. Right. To say what happens if X happens, what does that look like? Yeah. That's a great technique.
1: And I, yeah, I mean, it's so important to do that forecasting, but I I think a lot of people spend time on forecasting and not enough time proving the numbers they got are right. (laughs) And, um, and I'd include myself in that too. I mean, that's something I'm always cautious of that I'm, I'm getting too excited about the future and not looking at what's here or overestimating what we have. Um, uh, you know, cause it, it, it's surprising. I, we said it the other day, it's surprising how much a cow actually eats in a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you got to feed it all out of a bale. You kind of realize that right. number a little more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It drives it home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think as we've been doing some of this drought planning work with extension, it's, it's, um, it's interesting trying to get people to think about their numbers because mm-hmm. a lot of that, a lot of any planning for your operations got to start with the numbers. Right. And being, being truthful with yourself about the numbers isn't always an easy thing either.
1: No, no. And I mean, and there's ideas that I really want to do and I, you know, and the numbers don't match up and I just try to push through it and it's a That's bad good. idea. You know, you really got to, Yep. I mean, you don't. I don't know. Yeah. You you gotta you gotta find that balance and um yeah, you gotta just be honest with yourself and know what you're doing. Cause there's a lot of projects that are worth doing and subsidizing. You just have to know what you're gonna pay for it. If
0: it's a conscious decision to subsidize.
1: Yeah, you gotta, yeah. My grandpa, my grandpa always likes to say, you know, make you gotta be intentional about things. You know, you gotta don't let things just happen to you. You gotta make them happen. Even if it's wrong, it's better if you made it happen because then you know why it didn't work. Whereas yeah. if it just happens, you're just reacting and you're behind.
0: Yeah, there's, there's some good sports analogies to that too, right? Oh yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. The coach that the coach that doesn't go for it on fourth or one gets fired. The coach that went for it and failed stays around. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. Well, this has been really, really helpful for me just thinking about how you're, Approaching the coming year, right? And we're not out of drought yet, but but we got to keep all those possibilities on our radar screen, don't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and and you know, we might not. Don't don't look for someone else to say we're out of drought. Look look on your place and let those conditions right. dictate what you're going to do. Don't don't try to don't try to outguess it. And if they say we're out of drought and you're not, still act like you're not out. Of drought. <laughs> and, if, and by the opposite, if they say we're still in drought but you've just got 12 inches of rain well you better you better start acting like you're going to have mudslides <laughs> Gra-
0: grass and water don't lie <laughs> yeah yeah so
1: you got to yeah you got to just be honest with yourself and look small and yeah. uh yeah and yeah and i mean and i know it's tough it's a tough year for everybody and i know the stress is is real and so i mean if anybody is having stress by all means you know reach out to a neighbor reach out to a friend if yeah. you got nobody reach out to us Yep. And, you know, just cause it's, it's tough. It, it's really hard. And, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat that and pretend like it's all been, been a joy, but, um, but I do like to think I stay positive, um, uh, because if you're in this business, you love life, you love things that are living, you love green, you love all that stuff. And, and just by default, you're going to be somewhat positive.
0: I think Will Rogers said, you can't be a farmer and not be an optimist.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that's, that's true. It's hard to remember sometimes, but I think, I think anybody that sticks with us for very long does it because they're always optimistic about something.
1: Yep. So, yep. And, and if you are stressing out, I, I always think just doing something physical, working, either yep. go for a bike ride or go jump in the corrals or build something or, do, you know, get, yep. mat, get active. Get your hands so.
0: dirty or get active, get your heart pumping a little bit. Yep. Yep. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. The worst thing you do is do what I did and just sit in front of a computer all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's or today. Drive. Yesterday, I wasn't in front of a computer.
0: Or drive all day or drive. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Unless you're going to pretty country. Yeah, it was, you know, going to Truckee is not. How far
1: that. of a drive is it for you to Truckee?
0: to the corrals from my door it's an hour and 20 minutes
1: that's not bad that's close it's not bad at all yeah no. it's really close because it's like two two and a half for me to you so then yeah, right. to Turkey, it's almost i mean it's two it's almost three probably to those corrals
0: yeah it is, yeah. It is. So, it, i guess it's not that
1: is. far it's an hour and a half to you not two and a half
0: yeah. From, from where you are hour and a half. So yeah. Probably. I'm an if hour
1: to Sacramento and then it's like a half hour, 40 minutes to Auburn. Something
0: if like you're that, at right? the right time of day.
1: Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm 53 yeah. minutes from Fisherman's worth in San Francisco. <laughs> but It took me three hours to get the airport the other day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: There's that. Yeah.
0: Well, shoot, have a good rest of your week, man.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. You want me to take us out? It's my turn to take us out. I think so. I always forget, but all right. Well, well, thank you very much. And, uh, for sheep stuff, you should know this. Yes. Shoot, shoot, shoot,
0: shoot. shoot. We didn't tell our listeners that we have a grand opportunity to to make $15 an episode.
1: Oh yes. We got, I got an email the other day and it was our first request for a sponsor (laughs) and, um, you know Dan Rosie and I had a had a big meeting in John we had a meeting we discussed it at length and we decided that that we would not we would not take it we were very tempted but we we're not going to take the opportunity to sell our uh sell ourselves out for $15
0: we're remaining pure yes
1: yeah, so remain it would have been it would have been $15 so anyway <laughs> you know if they would have said maybe 22 23$ you total, we, so it, split three, it have to be divisible by three, so maybe twenty-four. That'd be like yeah, yeah, yeah that'd $8. be eight dollars each. Taxable, so take home would only be six. So but, we could
0: we could almost buy a beer. Well, we could buy a half a beer at a ball game.
1: Well, yeah, it depends on what ball game. Go to the A's, you buy a whole beer. <laughs> you giants fans, that's true. Hoity toity giants fans. That's <laughs> With true. Which you twelve dollar beers. Those are, <laughs> those are only eight.
0: Yeah, they're just exactly the same size yeah yeah
1: exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right dan well thanks again and uh cheap stuff you should know this is Prime Mahoney and Dan Macon signing out see you guys next time see you Dan
0: see you Ryan thanks